Hello and welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Nico Bakulich. And I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's do it. Before we begin, of course, we have to cover a few things. First of all, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. Well, first of all, I'm the ex-Christian and you're the non-believing sort of Jew. Second of all, this is not a Bible study podcast. And second of all, usually I'm reading the NIV and you're reading the NRSV. Mm Mm-hmm. Third of all, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. That's right. Fourth of all, uh, as always, our podcast may contain material that is not appropriate for children. Yeah, this one definitely has some uh, some raping in it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you just throw it if you throw it there in the warning. It's kind of like you said it with no warning at all, isn't it? Well, I guess. But I mean, yeah, just I, put a condom over your brain before mm-hmm. you listen to this podcast. Wrap it up before you tap it up. And uh, is there anything else we need to cover? No. Well, um, it's a new year. And um, I thought for the new year, why don't we just go back to the beginning? Mm -hmm. And do it all over again. do it all over again. Mm -hmm. Let's start with Genesis. Okay. Or should I say leptogenesis, (laughs) a.k.a. lesser Genesis, a.k.a. The Book of Jubilees. Mm-hmm. The happiest book in the Bible. Sort of. <laughs> so, uh, The Book of Jubilees. So I think there are at least two things wrong with is, that. <laughs> is a, a different version of the Book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the first part of Exodus. And it is canonical only in Ethiopian uh, Christian slash Jewish denominations. Um, everyone else considers it. Not not just apocryphal, but pseudepigraphal, mm-hmm. which means it's fake writing. Yeah, it's Pseud- like the it's like true writing, but it's yeah. not real. And um, for a long time, the only version that we had was in Ge'ez, mm-hmm. which is this like ancient uh, Ethiopian language that they use in some like Ethiopian Orthodox services. You know, the same way you could use Latin in a Catholic mass or Hebrew in a Jewish service, even if that's not the language you normally speak. Um, but then when we found the Dead Sea Scrolls, there were... When we found the Dead Sea Scrolls. When um, when this podcast broke the incredible story of mm-hmm. the Dead Sea Scrolls. I remember it well. 1957. <laughs> Time of change. <laughs> in, in America, yeah. In America. Um, no, so when... when uh, some archaeologists whose names I don't know found the Dead Sea Scrolls. Great work, by the way. Uh, they found Hebrew Hebrew fragments of it. Mm-hmm. And also, um, a lot of early Christians referred to the Book of Jubilees in their writings. So um, it's not like this was like made up somewhere like way down the line. Like it is, it is old. It real old. It famous. Uh-huh. But most of the most of the versions were lost, except in Ethiopia. And actually, Wikipedia points out that even where the plot points are like exactly the same as in Genesis, mm-hmm. the wording is different. So it is like a different source. I see. Um, maybe from like a different region or just like a slightly different tradition. Got it. Um, that I guess was kind of part of a more mainstream canon for a while and then somehow got pushed out and ended up in Ethiopia. I read that in the Dead Sea Scrolls, among them, among all of these scrolls mm-hmm. that they found in this Dead Sea. Mm-hmm. When they were scrolling through the scrolls. Mm-hmm. Scrolling in the deep. Scrolling in the deep. They found many copies of this book, more than any other book that is currently in the canon. Oh, really? They did. 
So it was it was an important book to the people of the, the community. Qumran region yeah. or whatever, yeah. Um, and they found a bunch of copies in various other forms. And like you were saying, there was no extant copies of the book before that, mm-hmm. except in Ge'ez. Mm-hmm. And so what they did was they compared the Hebrew that they found in the Dead Sea Scrolls to the Ge'ez versions. And they deemed the Ge'ez to be a pretty faithful translation. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like it's like legit. Yeah. So it is it is like very old. And I don't even know if it's pre-exilic or post-exilic. But, I don't know either. But um, some but of it's certainly thing- like not just like some crazy made up thing that right. like people put together like way after the fact. Yeah. It is like genuinely. Um, I mean, that would be cool, too. No shame. No shame if you believe in something that somebody just made up like 100 years ago. Yeah. I mean, I believe in a thing called love. And, and I'm that, a Mormon. That song just came out like. 2005 or something. I feel like you stepped on my punchline, but that's okay. <laughs> I think you stepped on my punchline. It's all right. This you is got what, chocolate this is, in my punchline. <laughs> this is what long-term relationships are about. <laughs> Stepping on each other's punchlines. Yeah. Continuously. Mm-hmm. Um, so you may remember from, from the book of Leviticus, but hopefully you don't <laughs> because Jesus Christ. Um, a jubilee year was like this special year in the calendar. Mm-hmm. So you would have like um, a, a week of years, which is seven years, and then when you had seven of those year weeks, mm-hmm. then like the 49th or 50th year would be a jubilee year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically like the super mega ultra Sabbath where you had to do all this special stuff. You had to like let your fields lie fallow and like free your uh, Israelite slaves, but not like your, not your non-Israelite not, slaves. Not your like, slaves. Let's yeah. not go great. You forgive all debts to, to Jews. Yeah. Um, stuff like that. And throughout this book, it's really interesting. It measures everything in jubilees. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, like so-and-so lived to be three jubilees, uh, one week of years, and three more years old. <laughs> or it'll say like in the 20th jubilee of time, mm-hmm. like since time started, you know, this this happened. You know, and, and in the great accounting that this book puts forward, it has all these jubilees that add up to like 2,400 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But they leave a special gap in there for the 40 years in the desert. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's like that. jubilees before that and jubilees after but that. But that makes sense because um, like we start to get into chapter one. Okay. We start the story with Moses going up on Mount Sinai mm-hmm. to like receive the Ten Commandments from God. And that's just before the 40 years starts. Yeah. So that makes sense. Um, one quick note, actually, before we get into everything, I do want to say, so a lot of this stuff is repeated material from Genesis. Right. As we've talked about. So... um. We are going to kind of skim over stuff that's the same. We're not going to get into every single detail. If and that's not us saying that your favorite story from Genesis is not super important and great. Yeah, like and if you're... you're really into like Tamar tricking Judah, like <laughs> I get it. That's a great story. But it's exactly the same in Genesis and in Jubilees. So we're not really going to talk about it. Right. It is a great story, though. I know. I love it. Um. So, yeah. Okay. So we start with Moses. He's up on Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a little thing that they call in literature in media res. (laughs) Is that is that what they call it? According to me? Yes. All right. In media resurrection. (laughs) In media. That sounds like an anime name. Yeah. In media colon resurrection. Yeah. Um, And instead of God talking directly to Moses, um, he has like an angel acting as a an in medium res 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's standard because the voice of God would kill a person. Right, right. So um, this is called the, the angel of the presence. Mm-hmm. And the angel is the one like narrating the book. Mm. So the whole time, I mean, it's it's often easy to forget that because things are in the third person. But then the angel will sometimes be like, oh, and then I did this. Right. Or, um, or say to Moses like, oh, and then you did this. Um, but most of the time it's it's just kind of like in third person. I like the way God tells the angel to tell the story to Moses. Sounds like he's telling his secretary to do it. Yeah, totally. He says, and he said to the angel of the presence, write for Moses from the beginning of creation till my sanctuary has been built among them for all eternity. Totally. Like look he's up like, files A through F. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, And this is it's kind of interesting because, you know, the Jewish like tradition is that Moses wrote the Torah. Mm-hmm. But like when you read the actual Torah, that's like. It's like that doesn't Seems make sense for Moses sure. to have written it. Yeah. But this kind of like uh, makes that plausible. It glues it all together. Yeah. Right. Yeah. With like this little framing device. It's like so meta. It's like so postmodern. Um, so he starts off by telling Moses the creation story. Yes. I'm assuming the angel is a he because like the Bible is chauvinistic. But it doesn't actually. I don't think angels have gender. But. Well, then why is like Michael a he and Gabriel's a he? They're mannish. Satan is a he. They're mannish. Mm-hmm. Mannish boys. Yeah, like mannish evits. <laughs> um, so the creation story, more or less the same, except that there are a shit ton of angels. Yeah, there's angels all over so this So it's thing. like the, on the first day, God creates heaven, earth, water, and like a jillion angels. And all of the spirits which serve before him, yeah. the angels of the presence, angels of sanctification, angels of the spirit of fire, and the angels of the spirit of the winds, and the angels of the spirit of the clouds, and of darkness, and of snow, and of hail, yeah, and, and of horror. And it goes on and on and on. And angels of the voices, and the thunder, and of the lightning, spirits of cold and heat, winter and spring, autumn and summer. <laughs> angels of Tupperware, the angels of tampons, angels of... Small liberal arts colleges in the Midwest. Abysses and the darkness. Oh, that too. Eventide and the light, dawn and day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So all the important ones. Um, and then like we move on to the, the Adam and Eve story, mm-hmm. which is also basically the same. The, like they weave they weave some nice uh, law stuff into each story. Yeah, that's true too. The way some of these stories are told in, in this version. In Genesis, some of the some of the stories are very narrative. Yeah. In this one, it's more like it retells them and sometimes it'll add on a little uh, addendum that's like, and that's why they say women are unclean. That's why you have to follow this law. Right. Um, A great example is the Adam and Eve story because in this version, they're not created in the Garden of Eden. They're created in a separate land called Elda. Mm -hmm. And then Adam is moved into the Garden of Eden after 40 days. And Eve is moved in after 80 days. Mm -hmm. And then it says, and so that's why a woman is unclean for 40 days after giving birth to a boy baby. Right. And unclean for 80 days after giving birth to a female baby. And it's like, oh, of course. Because they. All of that all makes sense now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had some questions before, but they've all been answered. Also, in this version, Eve doesn't actually get a name until they get kicked out. That's right. And they also are speaking Hebrew. Yes, they're speaking Hebrew. Um, and then once they're out, they have Cain and Abel. Mm-hmm. And they also have a daughter named Awan. Yeah. So in your copy, were the names all weird? Like of the ladies, especially? With like a lot of diacritical marks? Yeah. Yeah. I think we read the same copy just on different sites. Okay. I, I, there aren't that many copies available like in English. I'm sure. Where did you read yours? 
Uh, sacred-texts.com. And um, what did the header image of sacred-texts.com look like? It was an advertisement for their Sacred Texts DVD set that contains over, I think, over 1,400 sacred texts, according to the, according to the text. Did you buy it? No, it was $120, baby. Mm. It's like a good investment for the podcast. I'm a man who, like, who likes wisdom. Uh-huh. But I'm not going to pay that much money for a DVD <laughs> copy of Wisdom. <laughs> I like my Wisdom. Straight from the source. I, yes. You I, get an Angel of the Presence down here, I'll pay $120. <laughs> sure. A DVD? Well, I mean, for that, you'd be lucky to pay $120. But if it's going to be, I want my Wisdom bound in a book, okay? I consider I me old-fashioned, but I don't want to buy it on a DVD. I want to read it for free online, possibly on my phone, on the train. <laughs> Uh, that is what I also did, except I did, um, it was like pseudepigrapha.net or whatever. Sure. Your number one spot for all It had the least amount writing. of like insane fonts and mm-hmm. like weird backgrounds and, and like, like my cursor turning into like <laughs> a skull and crossbones or whatever. Or like a blinking eye. Yeah. Because you're like opening your third yeah, eye. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, isn't this interesting how this is just like the Bhagavad Vita? Mm-hmm. It's like, do you want to read the reconstructed Vedas? No. (laughs) So so anyway, they have Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve, uh, and they have a daughter who is definitely not mentioned in in regular Genesis. Mm. Um, And then Cain kills Abel. Um, That story is still fucked up to me. It's interesting, like, in in Genesis, it's a whole scene where, like, God comes down and he's like, hey, Cain, uh, what's going on? Where's Abel? But here it's just like, oh, Cain killed Abel. Um, Adam and Eve were in mourning for 32 years, and then um, then they had a third son, Seth, and another daughter named Azura. And then Cain marries his sister, Awan. Right. And Seth marries the other sister, Azura. Right. And they each have a son. They have sons called Enoch and Enos. That is definitely not in Genesis. Yeah, that part gets gets elided a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so then there's a couple generations of incest, uh, and then we get a different Enoch, who is the one that we did a previous episode on. That was the other uh, Ethiopian apocryphon. He's like the star of the show in Ethiopia. That we did. Yeah, I mean, he's and, a big deal. And this book bigs, up, bigs him up to a ridiculous degree. It does big up him. Mm-hmm. They're like, like Adam. Him so, up big. <laughs> him up Real big. <laughs> so this book lays out that the intended lifespan of a human being uh-huh. is a thousand years. Yeah. But each. But uh, it's measured in jubilees also. <laughs> so it's like. <laughs> it's kind of confusing. It's like it's 20 jubilees. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I'm gonna give, her, give or take. Yeah. But if you sin or you or you anger God in some way, you get years deducted. Yeah. So like Adam only lives 970 years. Yeah, because of the whole uh, fall from grace. Because the fall from grace. He's got a minor deduction there, but otherwise he was nearly perfect. Only person who lived the full thousand was Enoch because mm. he was perfect. Mm. He was the only person that was perfect. Mm. Even e- even Abraham did not live the full thousand. No, Abraham only lived like 200 or I think something. like 250 or yeah. something like that, which is basically shit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, all things considered. And it does say it's like, it was because of all the sin. <laughs> <laughs> I just like that we're getting some metrics here. You yeah, know? no, it like is nice. Like measurable stuff. It is nice. Um, so we get Enoch, 
and then we get Methuselah, and then Lamech, and then Noah. I think in the other in in the original Genesis, didn't Methuselah live over a thousand years? I can't remember. I thought. I mean, he certainly lives like nine hundred something. Okay, at least, yeah. Um. Uh. And what's special about all these men in comparison? <laughs> To the ones that came before is that they Glorious don't marry beards. They don't marry their sisters. Mm-hmm. They marry their cousins. Mm-hmm. That's like what I'm talking about. Civilized people. That's right. Big step in human history: marrying cousins instead of siblings. Uh, Adam dies of old age at this point, and uh, Cain also dies. Or was it foul play? Or was it Cain dies of his house collapsing on him? <laughs> yes, because he killed Abel with a stone, mm-hmm. and so therefore his stone house. Collapsed and the saying on is, him. if you go out and commit trouble, trouble comes and finds you. I think the saying is, people who live in stone houses th- shouldn't throw stones. <laughs> That's right. People, people who live. In brother houses, shouldn't stone glass. Yeah. There you have it. Truer words have never been spoken. Um, And so then at, also at this point, this is when all the wicked fuck angels come down. Oh, yeah. It's so I, – I can't believe that this got cut from mainline Genesis. <laughs> the, the stuff about all the – The watchers? The watchers. Yeah. It fills in a huge gap. Fornicating with human women and – Because in original Genesis – Teaching them about makeup. Yeah. In, in normal Genesis, it goes from Adam and Eve mm-hmm. and then their first generation mm-hmm. and that, that spreads a little bit. But then the next step is like Noah and the world is so evil that God yeah. has to destroy everything. And you're like, well, what the fuck happened? You, yeah, that's that was true. Like, It was like five generations. How did it spiral so badly out of control? <laughs> that's true. And the only answer is evil fuck angels. Yeah, that's you know what? When you put it that way, it's hard to see it any other way. Because like seeing this, you're like, well, yeah, I mean, like if your angels are down there and you sent them down there to like teach people good things like reading and writing, although. No, they're not supposed to know reading and writing. Uh, OK, well, they're supposed to whatever Yet. good knowledge they were supposed to have. I'm yeah. a little unclear. It seems like everything pretty much is evil. Uh, yeah, I'm How unclear to about it. Till too. fields and I, I don't know. Anyway. But then the angels go rogue. God's got to get a handle on that. Mm-hmm. And then the way to do it is with a flood. Yep. And uh, so he does the flood. Noah's in the ark. It's the same same deals in Genesis. Although Did you just call it Genesis? Um, no, that's my uh, cover band for Gem and the Holograms. I was going to say it's the name of your uh, homemade jewelry Etsy store. Oh, that's a good one too. Actually, it's my uh, it's my To Kill a Mockingbird fanfic. Okay. Explains the backstory of Jen. <laughs> okay. That's really good. <laughs> I'm glad you were impressed. Um, a weird difference in this one is that the boat doesn't land on top of Mount Ararat. It lands on top of Mount Lubar, <laughs> which is in a region or perhaps a mountain range called Ararat. Um, and then same same deal where he has three sons, um, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Before we go too far, I just want to oh, yeah. jump back to one thing. Oh, yeah. This one points out that if you remember from the Book of Enoch, and you probably don't, but Enoch goes on this magical adventure where the angels take him all around the holy plains and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he learns about mysteries and shit. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back. In this one, it says that he was gone for six years. Oh. That's, I think that's that's the kind of detail I like. Because, like, if his holy journey took six years of real time, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. I just wonder, was it, was it like, just a day for Enoch? Or was it, you know, I don't know. I mean, if it's what happened in the book, it only seemed like a day. Right. 
So it's, I, I like to only think. only seemed like a few hours, actually. Yeah, but that amount of wisdom compressed, you know, took six years yeah. off his life. <laughs> what a shame. That's cool. I didn't notice that. That is cool. Um, so so back to Noah. He's got the three sons, Ham, Shem, and Japheth. Uh, Ham sees his dad's dick when he passes out drunk, and therefore he gets cursed. This all this story also, I read it again, and I'm still like, mm. I know it's like, what they didn't fix this one? Like, yeah. <laughs> at least put pop an angel in here or something, make it make sense. Um, and so then, like, more so than in the regular book of Genesis, we get like the division of the three like lineages from mm-hmm. from Ham, Shem, and Japheth, and I think that's more like implied in Genesis. It's just kind of like mentioned, and here they really go into detail about who gets what land. And so, like, basically, Japheth gets the north, Shem gets the middle, and Ham gets the south. And in Western Christian tradition, at least, mm-hmm. um, Japheth gets Europe, Shem gets the Middle East. And Ham gets Africa because he's cursed. And Western Christianity is That's racist. That's fucked up. Yeah. But so I was I was confused to see that that's true here, too, mm. even though this is like an Ethiopian. I mean, I guess it didn't originate in Ethiopia, but like. The writer of this was probably based in, in modern Palestine. Right, right. So. Yeah, but that kind of sucks that, like, Africa is still, like, the cursed one, even in, like, a text that only continues, like, it's only extant in Africa. And especially because, like, one of Ham's sons is is Cush, mm-hmm. which is the Hebrew word for Ethiopia. And, like, so that's, like, this is the origin story for Ethiopia as a country, or, mm-hmm. like, not as a country, but as a, a region, in the Bible, and it's, like, based on a curse, and it sucks that that's in, like, the Ethiopian Bible. I agree. I mean, I can't can't really deal with that. When when they divided up the world in three parts, it really – it struck me because I was like, oh, yeah, Noah and his kids are the only people left. <laughs> so I just imagine them landing on, a, on the top of a mountain and then being like, okay, well, this third of the compass is yours. Yeah. This third of the compass is yours, and this third of the compass is yours. It also, like – it went into great detail about like which rivers bordered yeah. like exactly like and the and dimensions like, of their land, and it mentioned the Garden of Eden several times. I did. It was like, oh, it, this your half goes up to like the Garden of Eden, and on you're the very south lucky and... because your part includes the Garden of Eden. Yeah, <laughs> which I guess like, is in Iraq somewhere. I guess. Yeah. Which is funny that there's just a place that's the Garden of Eden. Yeah. I I like that. It's like, oh well, we all know where it is. We don't go back, I guess, because we got kicked out. Well, in in Genesis, it's guarded with a flaming sword. Oh, what? Really? Yeah. That's dope. Who who wields the flaming sword? It's just, it wields itself. It wields itself? Yeah. We read this. (laughs) You read this. (laughs) I read it. It was our first episode. It was our first episode. What did I know from Bible back then? You didn't know. You were a Bibble baby. I was a little Bibble boy. (laughs) A tiny, tiny Bibble boy. (laughs) Um, so then they're like repopulating the earth or whatever. However that works. Yeah. It does. I mean, they don't, they don't go into the incest explanation. They they brought their, they brought their wives on the boat. Yeah. So they've got some sons, whatever. Um, and, but these, these grandsons of Noah start sinning because of quote unquote unclean demons. Yes. Oh, uh, before we begin any further, I want to point out no mention of any animals on the boat this time. 
Oh, there was a there was a very brief mention um, when they land. Well, they brought they all they brought this time was all the animals that were good for sacrifice. Oh, yeah, that's all they brought. It definitely was um, was cut down. So this time, this time it's just like they didn't bring animals so that they could like reseed all the animal population in the world. They brought animals so that they could give like a proper A plus. Sacrifice. sacrifice and that is the first they thing landed. they do when they get off the ark in both genesis and jubilees although i liked in jubilees it said that god like um smelled the goodly savor mm-hmm. um got that sweet lamb when you smell. read like when you read like um sumerian or like babylonian text or whatever which i do occasionally it's always talking about how the gods like smell this delicious offering oh and really so, yeah so i that reminds me of like a hobo from like a 20s cartoon, uh-huh. like smelling the pie, yes. cooling on the windowsill. And then the smell like picks him up and his twinkle toes like. Yeah, 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 exactly. Just like the, the the smell carries him over to the pie. And it's like such a such a like human or not even human. It's like an animal yeah, it's instinct. Like, it's like you smell something really good and, and you love it. It's and identifiable. It's like, why is that what a god would do? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like a god shouldn't have a nose. <laughs> Yep. Anyway, why couldn't a god smell everything at once? <laughs> Maybe that's his problem. Is there a pie so tasty that even Jesus would not think it smelled good? Hmm, that question has haunted me for many years, and I think it will continue to do so. Unless you purchase a DVD set <laughs> of the world's religious and sacred dot text slash org. <laughs> Okay, so Noah's grandsons are out there sinning, Mm -hmm. unclean demons, uh, and Noah prays to God to get rid of the demons, but, but, there's an angel named Mastema. Is it an angel? It's not an angel. It's like an accusing angel. It's described as as the prince of spirits. The prince of spirits. So some supernatural being... But he's not a demon. He's not a demon. And he he fulfills basically the same role as like the early concept of Satan as the accusing angel. Right. Like in the book of Job, where it's like he kind of like reports to God. Yeah. He he fulfills like God doled out all of these roles onto these angels. Yeah. And he needed one to just be a shit stirrer. Yeah. And he's like, I need you to just like keep everybody on their toes. Yeah. That's your job. That's Mastema. Yeah. So Mastema asks to keep 10% of the demons alive so that he can use them to test people's faith and stuff. Well, yeah. So so Noah complains to God and says that his grandsons are being tortured by demons. Yeah. That they're causing them pain and, and causing them to like act out. And God's like, okay, I'll get rid of the demons. But Mastema's like, no, we need to keep some of them. He's like, some of my guys have gotten out of control. But let me, <laughs> let's just cut it down to the bare minimum. Let's just do a skeleton crew. Yeah. So they fires 90% of the demons. Um, I don't get. The, <laughs> I don't get it either. Why does God get on board with this? <laughs> why is God involved in this at all? Noah is having a, Noah is having a conversation with God about, is, did God make these staffing decisions? If yeah. so, how can Noah question them? Yeah. And it's like, like there are as many demons as God wants there to be, Noah. Also, if God is making these staffing decisions, like Mustama seems to be like, He's causing problems for all the other employees, you know? Like, his department has gotten out of control. Yeah. Like, obviously, they're way over their budget if they can cut down to, like, 10% yeah. and still function. Yeah. And, and Mastema must know it, too, because he doesn't ask for it. He doesn't. Course. He just isn't like, I can't do my job uh, w- unless you leave me, like, half my guys. Right. He's like, he's like, God, 
Just leave me like one tenth. I know I'm way out of bounds here. <laughs> um, and then God, like, to make up for leaving ten percent of the demons, like, sends some angels to teach Noah about like medicine. Yes, he does. Which is something that the evil fuck angels did, and then they got in trouble for it. But this time it's okay. But then the next thing that happens is that Noah dies, so he doesn't even like pass on the information. <laughs> but it's for his grandsons. Okay, but they to don't... help with the the afflictions that were caused by these rampant oh, demons. Oh, the afflictions! Mm-hmm. It's always the afflictions. Well, sometimes it is, but that's that's what's also very confusing. Is like the watchers are there, not only to watch but to give out bits of wisdom or bits of knowledge or something like mm-hmm. that. Like you're, they were supposed to know about astronomy, right? Or were they not supposed to know about that? I They're can't. They're not remember. supposed to. Well, that was one of the first things that they taught. In fact, them. we'll get into that later. Yeah. So. And they weren't supposed to know. Maybe they are supposed to know about medicine now. Maybe it's God being like, okay, well, the sin buildup on <laughs> Earth has been. All the sin has gotten to be too much. We so gotta... like your lifespan is hilariously short now. <laughs> and it's not what I intended because you've polluted the atmosphere with so much sin. You know, you've diluted your own lifespan so much that I need to like balance that out. So I'll have the angels teach you a thing or two that will like. Would It's technically forbidden knowledge. But I was the one that forbade it, so it's cool now. Yeah, I guess. This all just seems perfect. It seems perfect. I can't think of a better way to run a universe than this. <laughs> Thanks, God. Two thumbs up. So Noah dies at age 950 or uh, 19 jubilees and two weeks and five years. Mm-hmm. The weeks are weeks of years, seven years each. Um, and then... Canaan is one of Ham's sons, mm-hmm. so he's supposed to stay in Africa, but he claims some land farther north, and then that obviously becomes like the land of Canaan, mm-hmm. which is like the promised land. So I guess this is supposed to be like... Justification for the Jews taking Canaan back when they leave Even Egypt. though there's people already leave, yes. living there, yeah. Um. Okay, so with Noah gone, the problems just get worse. Because Noah was like super holy and now there's just like even more sin. The medicine doesn't really seem to be doing anything. No. To be honest. Mm-mm. Uh, I mean the medicine was probably like eat a fish gallbladder anyway or whatever. Like squeeze the fish gallbladder in your eyes. Um, And so people are like going to war. They're they're taking slaves. They're eating blood. You're not yep. supposed to eat blood. Right. And then it's brother on brother action as soon as Noah dies and not in the sexy way. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, Mustama has them worshiping idols. Um, again, I don't know why God keeps this person around. It's like if you have one employee that's like actively working against you, or that's like that's just causing problems for the entire staff. No, but this is innovative management <laughs> processes, baby. Like you He's got a... one person whose job it is just to stir shit up, just to just to. Just to see the problems before they become problems. Are you and saying he's like a loose cannon, but he gets results? Yes. But what results does he get? Because it seems like the results are really bad. It seems like everybody's just dying. Ah, but how would how would God know that he had to be more careful about, um, you know, guiding these Israelites? Because he's faith? God, he knows everything. Well, he knew enough <laughs> to empower Mastema <laughs> to test their faith. <clears throat> the, so, the wisest man he's the wisest boss delegates okay okay Mostema. 
So um, these dudes are running around sinning. Everything is terrible. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually some of them. And that was 2016. (laughs) (laughs) We joke. Uh, Hillary's emails. Some descendant of somebody found the city of Ur of the Chaldees. Yeah. And uh, a few generations later, we get the birth of Abraham, except that he is born Abram. Are you ready to talk about Abram? Totally. Okay. So it's a, it's a great story in the original Bible, but I think this version is like superior. It is. It's amazing. You get like so much stuff about his backstory. So you get like all this stuff about his childhood. So he's he's raised um, worshiping idols. Yes. And he figures out at a young age that that's bad. Um, but he can't really do anything about it yet. So when he's. You know why? Because children in our society lack social capital. (laughs) It's ageist, frankly. It is. I mean, especially to Abram. So he's 14 years old and Mastema's always sending ravens to ruin their crops. Yeah, this is so cool. And Abram goes and yells at the ravens. And then they go away. He does it every day for 14 days. He yells at them 70 times. Oh, my bad. I knew it was something like that. And then everyone is like, whoa, this kid is really good at yelling at ravens. (laughs) This kid is good. He's got it. So he gets real famous. And also he teaches everyone how to plot fields because that's like also something. He he fuck. He's like he's like a he's like a scientist priest. You know, he's so brilliant. What he does is he teaches them to put the seeds on the bottom of the plow uh-huh. so that when they till the fields, uh-huh. it digs the seeds down in deep uh-huh. automatically so they don't need to, to sprinkle the seeds on top so the ravens can't even get to the seeds. So first of all, he sends the ravens away. Why did he figure this out? He was only 14. Because he's a fucking genius, man. He's a man of God. Yeah. I mean, And a champion bird yeller. <laughs> although with that science involved, it makes me a little suspicious because every other place in the Bible... Where there's science. There's, the watchers have been involved. Uh-huh. You know? Like everything reeks of forbidden knowledge. Uh-huh. So like he's solving problems with science. And I'm like. Mm. This does seem like a little fuck angel might have whispered in his ear. Yeah. And imagine that scene. I don't want to. I, I don't want to either. But now we have to. Thanks to you. <laughs> um, And then so he grows up. He, he marries Sarai. Mm-hmm. His brothers also get married, and uh, one of them has a son named Lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, you know, very well-respected shouter man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, he says to his dad, Tara, look, we got to stop worshiping idols. Yeah. And Tara's like, yo, I know, but I don't want an angry mob to kill us. Right. Um. So Abraham, at the age of... Uh, you know, sixty. He's a young, a young newlywed with his life ahead of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, burns down the house of idols. Right. And his brother tries to save the idols, but dies in the fire. Yeah, isn't so, that that's such an incredible story? I know. Like, I can't believe that's like not in Genesis, and that's so. Lot has no dad now, and um, so so they all move to escape the angry mob. They move from Ur to Canaan, mm-hmm. and and then Abram goes out. He looks up at the stars to see his horoscope, mm-hmm. and then he's like, "Oh wait, that's idolatry." 
sorry, God. And God's like, no problem, man. And just don't worship idols. Mm -hmm. And then he teaches him Hebrew. So Abram and Sarai and Abram's nephew Lot Mm -hmm. all go uh, traveling and wandering. Um, In Egypt, Pharaoh does steal Sarai and take her as his wife. However, Abram doesn't say that she's his sister. That's right. Um, And then he does. Pharaoh gives him back after some curses, whatever. Um, Lot goes off to live in Sodom. um, And it, it notes that Abram is sad because he doesn't have a son and Lot doesn't have a father. So they were like father son bros. <laughs> they were father son bros. Yeah. Um again, like in Genesis, Sarai can't get pregnant, so she tells Abram to have a child with her handmaiden Hagar, and mm-hmm. that's Ishmael. Um, and then we've got the covenant with Abraham, everyone or with Abram, who then becomes Abraham, Sarai becomes Sarah. Um Which is one of my favorite parts of the story in the Bible originally. Mm-hmm. Was the first is the first covenant with Abraham, and it's to, it's told very beautifully here too. Uh, you but with like less the... with less time wasting, I would say in yeah. this version, like there's just there's just like two prayers. Yeah, that's he, true. He sings a song, and then like I think Sarai sings a little song or something like that, and then uh, everybody gets circumcised. Yeah. Um, and then the next chapter is weird because the the narration is like. Okay, so like God finally let Sarah get pregnant. Um, oh, also Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed and Lot had sex with his daughters and it right. was really fucked up. Yeah. Anyway, so Sarah named the son Isaac. <laughs> like it's like a, just a parenthetical. You don't get any of the stuff. You don't get the pillar of salt. You don't get the the offering the angels to the mob or right. anything. Which is it's too bad because that's a, that's a good story too. But, you know, they were trying to stick to the main narrative. Yeah. Um, And so then they have they have Isaac. Mm-hmm. And here's where it really departs from Genesis, and it gets really, really interesting. Um, when Isaac is weaned, they have like a weaning party. Okay. And Hagar and Ishmael, as part of the household, are there celebrating. And Sarah sees how much Abraham loves Ishmael, and so she gets jealous and banishes them. Mm-hmm. That's so interesting, like that they're at this party and they're celebrating Isaac. Mm-hmm. And she can't stand it. Mm. Like they're there being happy for Isaac. So they get. That is a much better scene. Yeah. In the other, in the regular Genesis version, it's more just like. The general concept. Yes. Yeah. 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 It doesn't have the uh, literary immediacy of of a weaning party. Yeah. (laughs) So, so then they get, they get banished and they go out in the desert and, and it's the same as in Genesis where like they almost die, but Mm -hmm. then an angel intervenes. Um, and then we get the story of the binding of Isaac, which is very different. Yes. Because it's, it's like Job. Telling. Yeah. It's like exactly like Job with Mastema playing the role of like the accusing Satan. Um, and it's like, again, like God is God is bragging about his faithful servant, Abraham. And Mastema is like, well, sure. But would he still be so faithful if you tested him? And then God's like, well, look, I already kind of tested him a bunch like. There He's was, good. There was the ravens, yeah. uh, the idols. I made Pharaoh steal his wife. <laughs> I had him cut off the skin of his penis, Mastema. I literally <laughs> made him mutilate his dick. Uh, I already took away his other son and his nephew, who was like a son to him. Mm-hmm. And then Mastema is like, well, yeah, but. <laughs> like, I feel like he really doesn't have the same rhetorical point that like Satan has in the book of Job. 
because like Job had always been fortunate, but Abraham's kind of been through a lot. He has, but he's also been promised the most of any of any person. He's he's had a, like a a personal and and familial covenant with God Himself. Like God has picked His favored people. Before that, God didn't have a favored people. Yeah, I guess that's true. Well, he sort of did in that he chose Noah, but he just chose the best mm-hmm. or tried to. Mm-hmm. This time he's like, I'm making a promise with you and for your for all of your family for perpetuity. Sure. Sure. So I could see I uh, I mean, obviously, Mustema is a little schemer. And like I said, a serious shit disturber. So but then then the rest of it kind of goes down in the same way, brings him up the mountain. He's about to kill him. And then actually in this version, um, the angel narrating the story intervenes. Mm-hmm. So he's like, and then, you know, Abraham got out his knife. And then I said, hey, or God told me to like step in. And I said, hey, um, and it's so Abraham doesn't kill Isaac. And it says Mastema is, quote, put to shame. Mm-hmm. Yet nothing. He never seems to get any consequences for his actions. Masema, no. Masema is part of the natural order. I hate Masema. There's always the, it's it's an element of chaos in what the system. He, what is he? Some men just want to see the world burn, as I learned from Christopher Nolan. I feel like Masema is like totally manipulating God, like he's a total chumpo. But I think Masema is there as like as like th- to be the the worst instinct of God. You know, the worst instinct. To be like, if God wants to do good, Mustama has to be there to like trick him. And you really don't think Mustama sounds like a Dragon Ball name? Do I think that Mustama sounds like? No, it doesn't sound like a Dragon Ball name. <sighs> what does it sound like? Mustama. I don't know what it sounds. It's a good name though. It means something in Hebrew, but I can't remember what it means. Like hatred or like something like that. Hedgehog. <laughs> yeah, like echidna. Mm-hmm. Some sort of spiny boy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, spiny boy. <laughs> um, so, well, time passes. Sarah dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the angels fucking test Abraham again. Yep. To see if he's, like, too upset about his wife dying. And he's not. So <laughs> good for him. Uh, Isaac, their son, marries Rebecca. Abraham gets remarried to a woman named Ketura or Ketura and has a bunch more sons. Has like nine more sons. Yep. Um, this is mentioned in regular Genesis, but I didn't remember it. It's very brief. Yeah. Um, and then why don't we take a break? That sounds great. And then we'll come back. We'll talk about Jacob and Esau and we'll see. There's still so much good stuff. We are frankly fucking super excited to have any material at all i know to talk i'm about. like so i'm like oh my god you can actually say things oh my god there's not a bunch of bullshit about babylon anyway we're gonna keep doing that right after a short break you're gonna hear some music and we'll be right back with more sunday school dropouts bye bye
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we're talking about the Book of Jubilees. Yeah. Hey. It's a, it's a party. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we left off with, uh, with the death of Sarah. Yes. And with Isaac marrying Rebecca. Mm-hmm. And with uh, Abraham getting remarried. Right. Uh, and so the next thing that's going to happen, if you know your, your Bibble, Bibble lineage, mm-hmm. is that Jacob and Esau are born. And that is indeed what happens. Um, we don't get quite the dramatic birth story with the, the red cord right. and the sticking out right. and whatever. But um, It makes up for it on the back end. I, I agree. Yeah, very much so. Um, but it is the same basic deal that Jacob is like an indoor kid and <laughs> he's Rebecca's favorite and, um, Esau is a hunter. He's the firstborn, mm-hmm. even though they're twins. Although I don't think it says they're twins here, does it? They're not twins in this one. They're not twins in this one. Um, so Esau is the, the firstborn and he's like a, a hunter guy. And, yeah. He rough like goat. Yeah. And he's hairy and he's Isaac's favorite. Um, and interestingly here, Abraham also has a favorite. That's right. I think Abraham, I guess, was already dead in Genesis when Jacob and Esau are born. I just or, think he, he wasn't involved in the or story. Or it just doesn't mention him. Because his blessing, no, his blessing isn't involved in it. No. No. So, but in this one, he also has a favorite and his favorite is Jacob. Mm-hmm. Because he sees that that's who is going to carry on his lineage. So then there's a couple chapters about like laws and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, um we're going to skip over because they're boring. Uh, and then we're just going to fast forward to Abraham is very old. And he's on his deathbed. Uh, but he's f- hosting the festival of... Uh, First fruits. Yeah. Sh- Shavuot or the Feast of Weeks. Some harvest type festival. Is that first fruit? Is that the same thing? I think so. Is that still celebrated? Why am I asking you? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> should, we, should we throw a first fruits party this year? Maybe. Sounds fun. When are the first fruits? Is that spring or fall? I think that's usually fall, I would expect. Okay. Well, no, maybe spring. Because there's like a spring one and a fall one, I think. Well, we'll find out, listeners, and you're all invited. <laughs> you're not invited. Our apartment <laughs> is quite small. Uh, anyway, they're they're doing their, their harvesty festival, mm-hmm. and and both Isaac and Ishmael are there. Because apparently after, Awkward. well, apparently after Sarah died, he like reestablished contact with Ishmael, even though Ishmael was like banished and almost died in the desert. Yeah. And it talks about how Isaac and Ishmael like spending time together. They love each other. They love Abraham and everybody's just really happy to see each other and they're having a great time. Jacob is still young. Jacob mm-hmm. is there and he's like doing like some offering stuff. He's like taking care of some of the offerings or maybe like just helping with them and everybody's like really impressed and happy with him and Abraham is lying in bed and he gives Jacob this blessing and Jacob climbs in bed with him Mm -hmm. and slept in the bosom of Abraham his father's father and he kissed him seven times and his affection and his heart rejoiced over him and he falls asleep and Abraham dies right there. And Jacob wakes up and his body is cold. And he's like, oh, no, he's his father, father. And then he, he goes and wakes up his mom, 
which is like so human. Mm-hmm. Or he goes like a, a young boy goes and he wakes up his mom. And so his mom is like, oh, no. And she wakes up Isaac. And then they go to Abraham's room. They see that he's dead. And the, the commotion wakes up Ishmael. Mm-hmm. And he comes in and sees. And they're all crying together. And I was reading this and it moved me to tears. I was crying. I was full on crying reading this. Not just like tearing up, which I'm tearing up a little now. Mm-hmm. But I was like full on crying, like blowing my nose like tears running down my face i have never been moved to tears by the bible before wow i don't know it was so human Mm -hmm. it was and like something about it was so modern like the idea of like oh there there's half brothers and there's remarriages Mm -hmm. and there's different generations and there's like a schism in one generation that's like healed by the next yeah and they all just like loved each other and and loved being around each other and just the like the beauty of like i'm i'm tearing up of like a son, a grandson just like falling asleep in his grandfather's arms and they're both just so joyful to be in each other's presence. It was like really, really touching to me. It has nothing to do with God, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is why uh, it was able to like hit me harder. But I thought it was so beautiful. I need to get a tissue. That's fine. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just just getting a little weepy about the Bible over here. It's okay. It's happened before. <laughs> it has never happened before <laughs> in my entire life. Okay, moving on. Um, so then we kind of rejoin. We rejoin regular old Genesis again. Mm-hmm. Uh. With with Jacob and Esau, we've got the he gets him to sell him his birthright. He tricks Isaac into giving him his blessing, which is the opposite of that beautiful family moment. Yeah, that you were talking about it earlier. totally is because it's still super messed up. Mm-hmm. Why and why does he steal his birthright? It's just for yeah what? for what I mean it's just like trickery. But Mustema was involved somehow. Yeah, is Mustema involved? I don't think he was mentioned in that part, mm. but they've set up the pattern enough. He where has he his was... dirty little fingers and everything, though, doesn't he? Yeah, that spiny boy. <laughs> um, and then he, he, you know, Rebecca is worried that uh, Esau will retaliate. Mm-hmm. So she sends Jacob to go live with his uncle. And then he marries, you know, uh, he wants to marry Rachel, but then his uncle tricks him into marrying Leah. And then he marries, then he has to work seven more years, marry Rachel, blah, blah, blah. I read that it was illegal in an old rabbinic uh, law to marry two sisters. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oops. <laughs> That's why he had to be tricked into it. I see. And then he also marries their, well, their handmaids become his like concubines or whatever. Right. So he has um, his children with all of them. He has uh, 12 sons total and one daughter, although they're not all born yet at this point in the timeline. 
Um, and then they move back to Canaan. Uh, and he has the dream about the ladder to heaven, mm-hmm. which is like the you know the Jacob's ladder, right? Which I still don't like get the importance I don't of it all. Really get it either. But there's nothing about him wrestling with God. That's right. I noticed that as well. So he gets his new name. God just gives him a new name. Yeah. And I think so. Wrestling with God is like a pun on Israel, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's well. It's like what Israel means. Yeah. I think in this in this text, they make a different pun with Israel. He becomes Israel and they say like, and that's because you've always been a great friend or something like that. I thought there was no pun at all. I thought it was just like, and now it's, it was like your, your descendants will be many and the name they will call you is Israel. And maybe something like that. I thought there was a different pun, but yeah, there's no wrestling in this one. No wrestling. Did you know that professional wrestling is not real? (laughs) I mean, it's real. It's really happening. (laughs) I can't believe this is really happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a delusion in somebody's mind. <laughs> unless we're all a delusion in God's mind. Uh, and God seems pretty delusional based on this text. Uh, there's also the story. So when they get back. I don't like to- you talking ill about God that way. <laughs> You've never met him. I'm, I'm just saying God's ill. He's ill and like a villain. Don't say that. Ever. <laughs> Um, so we get the story once they're back in Canaan of, of Dinah and Shechem. Mm-hmm. And so Dinah is the one, Jacob's one daughter. And in Genesis, um, she has sex with this guy, Shechem, the prince of a city that's also called Shechem. And it's not really clear if it's consensual or not, but, uh, they're going to get married. And then, uh, Jacob's son's. Dinah's brothers are like, okay, yeah, like we can get married, but y'all have to get circumcised because that's our religion. And then when they're when they're sitting there with their dicks all bleeding, then they go in and slaughter them all. Mm-hmm. So in this one, a it's much more explicit that it's rape. Yes, um, it says that Dinah's only twelve. Yes, and it's like it doesn't say like oh he lay with her or whatever. It says like he defiled her. Um, and also there's no circumcision trick or or marriage plot. Uh, right. They just there's no no dick tricking. No, they just go in and kill them all. Yeah, and I read that apparently at the time, historically at the time that this book was probably written, everybody hated Shaham. Oh, really? For some reason. <laughs> Maybe they're going around like defiling twelve year olds. I mean, who wouldn't hate them? So in the political atmosphere, they couldn't like look soft to Shaham by like. Getting, Although in getting this circumcised one, is kind of like converting before you die. Uh, in in this one, though, like in both versions, Jacob is like, why did you do this? Like, right. I was trying to like have a nice life here <laughs> and not like start wars with my neighbors. Well, you shouldn't have 12 sons then. <laughs> Some of them are going to be idiots. 12 large sons. <laughs> um, And then Reuben also has sex with Bilha, who's uh-huh. one of the handmaids. So it's. His father's wife, but not his mom. Um, and Which would it be fine? It would have been fine in the days of Adam, but no longer. Right <laughs> so, I mean, I don't think it would have been fine then, because you can't go like up a generation, right? You have to, you have to stay within your generation uh, for the incest. I think know your role. Yeah. Speaking um, of wrestling, I think. <laughs> why not? And in Genesis, it's also like, it's like he lay with her. Mm-hmm. And you could kind of imagine, like, oh, if she's the handmaid, she's a lot younger. Maybe it was consensual, you know, like, whatever. I mean, you can imagine whatever you want. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was just thinking about that 
big love. Well, we don't have to show, think about what you're thinking about. Um, but in this one, it's like he raped her mm-hmm. while she was asleep, and she immediately goes to Jacob and she's like, "Your son raped me," um, and so then he gets like disowned. So I guess. Just basically, this one is much more explicit about things being rape. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a good step. I mean, maybe it is. They still don't get, like, judged for rape, really. Yeah, I they mean. They get judged for, like, basically have having sex same, with the wrong person. They have the exact same consequences, whether yeah. it's specified that the sex is consensual or not. But I don't know. And then at this point, <laughs> the timeline's a little confusing, right? So at this point, Joseph's brothers uh, sell him into slavery. Right? So Joseph is one of the 12 sons. Yeah, just like uh, in the musical of the same name. Yeah, except that there's no code, there's no Technicolor Dreamcoat in this version. That's fine with me. I, I don't understand what the Technicolor Dreamcoat had to do with anything anyways. Well, because it was, Jacob gave it to him because he was his favorite. And so he gave him this special garment that nobody else got to have. Mm. And in this one, it doesn't say that he's his favorite. It's just like they dealt with him treacherously. Mm. And they were going to kill him, but then they decided to sell him instead. And they, they take his coat and they dip it in blood and to pretend like he got eaten by a wild animal. But it's not anything special. The code isn't special. Um, so he, Joseph is off. It doesn't. We don't know where yet. He's he's gone, and some time has passed. An unspecified amount of time. The timeline is unclear. And Rebecca, Isaac's wife, mm-hmm. uh, Jacob's mother, <laughs> yes, feels that she's going to die soon. Uh-huh. And so she gets everyone, she gets Isaac, Jacob, and Esau all together in a room. And she's like, I really don't want anybody to, like, take revenge on each other yeah. when I'm gone. And they all they all agree to it. And Esau is 100% on board. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, I sold him my birthright. That's my own fault. <laughs> Which squares with how it was in Genesis. Yeah. Um, yeah, because, well, in Genesis, when Jacob moved back to Canaan. He was very afraid. He was, yeah, he was yeah. really nervous. But Esau was like, hey, it's fine. We're yeah. brothers. Um, so in this one, everything's fine. No revenge is going to be taken. I do like that when she's telling Isaac about it beforehand, he's like, yeah, I know. Like, I used to love Esau more because he was the firstborn. But now I love Jacob more because like Esau kind of sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's on that Jacob train, baby. I know. Well, it's because Esau like married Canaanite women instead of Israelite women. That's or the problem. And. And I mean, they're not Israelites yet because Jacob is his brother, but whatever. Right. But, but Jacob went out of the way and he was like, hey, I heard from my grandpa that the right way to do this is to go find a my cousin. cousins. Yeah. <laughs> Incest and I only. Hear, I've heard a lot about my hot cousin, Rebecca. So Rachel. I'm, yeah. Rebecca's Rachel. My bad. My bad. Get us together. Oops. <laughs> Can't go up a generation. Incest is solely one level of generation. Uh, okay. <laughs> solely one level of generation. So they, they agree they're not going to get revenge on anybody. And then Rebecca dies mm-hmm. that night. Um, and Isaac dies shortly after. And they all get buried in, in the Cave of the Patriarchs in Hebron. Mm-hmm. Um, and cave of the Patriots. It keeps <laughs> it keeps referring to it as the double cave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I just like, it's just like, Seems like a handy way to refer to it. You know, they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, the double cave. <laughs> it's like, okay, but two of them it's or like, like one inside the other. Yeah, you know normally when you go in a cave, it's just like just one cave. So this one's like a double cave. It's like two caves. Um, but in one. And even though Esau accepted all this, uh-huh. his sons didn't. This is the, this is, this is very like the rest of the Bible though, because the main problem in the Bible is people having sons. People's large sons. Mm-hmm. Thinking they're too large and in charge. <laughs> That's right. 
so I guess you know because Way too big when when the birthright and the blessing goes to Jacob, that presumably means that Esau's sons get a shittier inheritance. Sure. So they're mad about that, and they want him to go to war with Jacob, and he doesn't want to, but they kind of just like pester him into it. Yeah. And so they like march on Jacob, and he's like, "What the fuck? I thought we worked this out." And Esau's like, "Yeah, you thought." Uh, and then Jacob's like, okay, well, if you're going to attack me, I'm going to fight back. And then, of course, he obviously wins and kills Esau. And... I like this. The scene is that Jacob is hesitant about shooting down Esau mm-hmm. in the field of battle because mm-hmm. it's his brother. Mm-hmm. And Judah, Jacob's son, speaks to Jacob and is like, basically like, you have to do this. Uh, Judah spake to Jacob, his father, and said unto him, Bend thy bow, father, and send forth thy arrows, and cast down the adversary, and slay the enemy. And mayest thou have the power, for we shall not slay thy brother, for he is such as thou, and he is like thee. Let us give him this honor. Then Jacob bent his bow, and sent forth the arrow, and struck Esau, his brother, on the breast, and slew him. And so his kids are like, We can't kill your brother. Like, it's not right. Like you owe We can't him, kill Uncle Esau. <laughs> you owe him the honor of, like, killing him yourself. And I'm like, that's that's kind of fucked up, but it's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. And then, you know, so so Esau is also called Edom mm-hmm. um, because, well, it's probably like Adom is actually the, because that's um, Hebrew for red. And so, because uh, he, he traded so his the sons, birthright. So the sons of Esau are the red boys. Yeah. Well, because he traded his birthright for a red, the red lentil stew mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. So, and he also, in the Genesis version, came out with the red thing. With the red cord, yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's... So he's also called Edom, and then the land is called where he lives is called Edom, and so his descendants are the Edomites. Um, and so then at the end of this whole thing, it's like, and that's why it's okay that we have Edomite slaves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all because Esau went back on his promise after Jacob totally fucking ripped him off. <laughs> yeah, like, like they got together amicably, and there was a solution to the problem. Yeah, where Jacob is just like, hey. You know, I stole the deathbed blessing, and that was my bad. But he doesn't really say that was his bad. He's just like, yeah. No, but I'm saying I'm proposing <laughs> I'm proposing a solution. Okay. Where he says he admits fault on that, uh-huh. and then says, but I'll give you, you know, first share of the inheritance or whatever, like the the oldest son's share of the inheritance. Okay. He already stole the blessing. The blessing has like superpowers, mm-hmm. so he basically stole his brother's superpowers. Mm-hmm. He should at least give him the money. Yeah. But he know. doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah. Like, what do you need money for if you got superpowers? Yeah. God is always just going to give you more money. Yeah, that's true. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Uh, meanwhile, like, in Egypt, Joseph has been sold into slavery. Mm-hmm. So this is like, yeah. So it's like jump back in time, but but in Egypt. And, and it's very, very similar to Genesis. He's a servant to Potiphar. Um, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him. Uh, he won't sleep with her, so she falsely accuses him of rape. He gets put in prison. He uh, interprets some dreams some... correctly for people in prison and then interprets dreams for Pharaoh correctly and then gets put in a lot of power. Nicely done. That was quick. <laughs> and then it says, um, uh, it says in this version that he stood before Pharaoh the same year Isaac died. Mm-hmm. So he's like getting into power just before... Jacob and Esau have this war. Right. Um, and it also says he's 30 that year. So he he was sold when he was 17. 
So he was he's been gone 13 years. And he spent two of those in prison, according to this narrative. Um, some other additional details we learned from Jubilees is that uh, Pharaoh calls him Sophantophans. <laughs> A.K.A. Sir Fancy Pants. <laughs> it does have, does have quite a ring to it. A little, little fancier sounding than Joseph. Um, and also it says that Pharaoh gives him Potiphar's daughter to marry. Yeah. The daughter of the woman that like falsely accused him of rape and sent him to jail. I mean, I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be her daughter. It could be her like stepdaughter. Yeah. But either way, it's fucked up. It's how you do business back then, baby. <laughs> um, and then there's all the stuff with this. So the brothers come yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And blah, this blah, is blah. all very similar. Yeah. We don't need to go through that. If you don't know this story, go back and listen to our Genesis episode or... Yeah, or read it your fucking self. Read the Bible, how mm-hmm. about? No, you or don't like, have to. That's why we're doing it. Read any, like, children's illustrated... That might be ...story fun. of the Bible or yeah. whatever. Um, Isn't there a Disney movie about uh, Joseph? Mm, no. Okay. Well, never mind then. <laughs> so, uh, long story short... He reunites with the brothers. They all reconcile mm-hmm. and they all come down to live in Egypt with him. And uh, Jacob comes down too, And they're all uh, very favored because Joseph is like Pharaoh's right hand man. And it's a great time of prosperity for the Jews. They get a lot of money. They get all the biggest flocks. They get lots of land. Yeah. However, some time passes and Joseph dies. And then in Genesis, we pick back up with Moses and it's like, now the Jews are slaves. Right. Um, and this this book kind of gives you a little explanation for how they went from being like really favored to being slaves. I mean, you, if you had read more of the Bible, the explanation is very clear. Like whenever they get prosperity, they get complacent and start worshiping local gods. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's I mean, that's always a safe assumption. Like. It's always a safe assumption that they're being punished because they worshiped idols. Mm-hmm. But uh, this this book also posits that the king of Canaan took over Egypt for a while mm-hmm. and uh, magically knew that the Israelites were going to want to go back to their homeland in Canaan. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to prevent that from happening. And so he made them slaves. Unlikely. As opposed to the rest of all this. <laughs> you found the one unrealistic part. Uh. Yeah, I'd like you to cool it on the attitude. My toot is all I have, babe. I am my toot. Yeah, you're just one crude dude with a lot of toot. That's me. So we fast forward to Moses. Um, and remember, this this whole book is supposedly... Don't tell me what to remember. God. Supposedly, this whole book is being dictated to Moses by angels. By the angel of the presence. Yeah, so now the narration starts being like... And then you were born, and your father did this, and your mother did this. Um, it's all very similar to Genesis. Moses and the bulrushes, mm-hmm. Pharaoh's daughter, <laughs> grows up, kills an Egyptian slave driver, flees to Midian. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Midian part's weird, though. The Midian part is weird, because in Genesis, he gets married to a Midianite woman. He has some kids. He And when he is on his way back to Egypt, God randomly decides to kill him mm-hmm. but his wife saves his life by performing an emergency circumcision on their infant son yeah in this version he's on his way back to egypt for no particular reason <laughs> there's no, no wife. He's, he's on the he's on the way back because he's called back by god there's no wife there's no kid right and it's 
fucking Mastema. Yeah, it's that who spiny, tries to kill it. The spiny boy himself. I hate this spiny boy. <laughs> and then, like, what saves him is not an emergency circumcision. It's the angel narrating the story. That's right. So the angel narrating the story is like, yeah, Mastema tried to kill you, but I stepped in. We all remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is the angel his wife? Whoa. Whoa. My wife, the angel. I don't think an angel can be a Midianite, though. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. We've all met some Midianites. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, apologies to all the Midianites. Yeah. Apologies to all our Midianite listeners. So then we get a really super condensed version mm-hmm. of, I love it. of the story of, like, let my people go. Yeah. It's great. The plagues get one sentence. All of them. So good. And uh, the parting of the Red Sea gets like two sentences. And then like after the fact, it's like, oh, yeah. And like, OK, so you went across the Red Sea and then we drowned all the Egyptians. And um, oh, yeah, you know, like all those times Pharaoh changed his mind. That was because of Mastema. Right. And then like the angel says that at some point Mastema was this is the direct quote, was bound and imprisoned behind the children of Israel that he might not accuse them. And accuse, that's like yep. Satan is yep. the accuser, the accusing angel. But then it says they let Mustema go so that he could change Pharaoh's mind. Let Mustema go. <laughs> so it is like, it is like God, like changing Pharaoh's mind. He just does it through a third party. Right. Which wouldn't, I mean, is not the first or only time God acts through third parties. No, but it's weird that in Genesis, it's like, yeah, he makes Pharaoh change his mind. Yeah. And then... In Jubilees, it's like he ties up this weird supernatural angel demon guy, but then he's like, eh, I'll let him change Pharaoh's mind. And then he lets him go to change Pharaoh's mind. Yeah. So it seems like adding an extra step. I just, I think he needs to just like reorganize his fucking like office, like hierarchy chart. Like, what do you want? I mean, but he can't have like, be like hands on making chaos in the world. That's well, not his, why that's not not his brand. Why not in Genesis? No, but. but People can't see their boss like out there making chaos. They they won't respect him when he creates order. Uh, I think they respected him just as much. Well, maybe they didn't because they did make that golden calf. But that wasn't Moses. That was his shitty brother Aaron. Yeah, that was that was Aaron. And that was the guy they chose to be the head priest. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Anyway, the, so the, like they go through that whole story. It's like three paragraphs. Yeah, like the whole. Love the, it. The whole thing. And then um, the angel suddenly seems to remember Passover, like after the fact. <laughs> and he's like, oh, yeah. Um, also, that Passover thing you guys just did. Super important. Keep doing that every year. And then the last chapter is like some detailed instructions about keeping the Sabbath holy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says like this many jubilees have passed and then this many year weeks and this many years and you have 40 more years in the desert, so look forward to that. And I don't think we ever get the Ten Commandments. Uh, I don't like think we so. got we got a lot of laws interspersed throughout, but there's never no. Ten Commandments. I mean, like keep the Sabbath holy is one of the commandments. Mm-hmm. So we got like that one like times four in the last chapter. But that's it. Yeah. I mean, 
there were some instructions. There was one early on not to kill. And then I was like, but I know this how this story goes. And that person is going to kill like a whole bunch of people. People so, always kill people. Yeah, I don't really people. understand. <laughs> people who kill people. <laughs> anyway, but that's the end of the book. That's Jubilees. We got to rate it. How would you rate this book? I'll give it 49 out of 55 first fruits. First fruits. 55 first fruits. And why? You know what? It was pretty great. I think it was great. Um, there are a ton of great stories in here. Just like in, how do we how do we call it? The other Genesis? In Genesis. This is yeah, in Genesis. This is Jubilees. You're right. This is Jubilees. Overall, I like the choices. I like some of the edits that they made. Um, I like the crazy angel stuff. I really enjoy that. I feel like it uh, fills in some gaps. Doesn't really square with the rest of the the theology presented <laughs> in the canonical Bible, but that's fine with me because I don't care. Um, really, just reading it for entertainment and to make a podcast. <laughs> um, so, I guess the language is not as poetic, maybe in, in some cases, as in in some parts of Genesis. But maybe I'm just not remembering Genesis as well, um, because some of this seemed pretty plain. But that might have more to do with the style of translation um i think stuff that is super canonical and has been for a long time is probably treated much more reverently in in the translation than than something that is treated mostly as an academic text Hmm. that was that's just an assumption though i don't know for sure um but i really enjoy I, i enjoyed it because these are these are good stories and they are i already knew them for the most part so I didn't have to struggle as hard with the details. Yeah, I do feel like it works really well as like if you already know these stories mm-hmm. and then you read this on top of them, it's like giving you extra details and like backstory. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it works really well. It's like a Silmarillion kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, what do you think? I, I'm i just going to go ahead and give it 70 out of 70 Raven yellings at. Nice. Um, Because it made me cry. Yeah, it moved me to tears. Yeah, I, whatever else its flaws are, I can't say that about any other book of the Bible. That's amazing. Well, that's our highest rating ever. Yeah. Pick it. Go out and pick up a copy, everybody. <laughs> you can find it at on, your local bookstore on like uh, conspiracytheory.net. <laughs> yeah, sure. Hidden secrets <laughs> mm-hmm. of the gods. Yeah. Dot uh, biz. The third eye books dot us. <laughs> But now that the unimportant work is done, yeah, we can get on to the thing that matters to people, that yeah. actually matters to this people. This is a cat-cursing podcast. Mm-hmm. That's its, its primary function. Masquerading as not a Bible study podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we actually we have a first for the show. <gasps> um, we've received an animal that is not a dog or a cat. It was a photo. The animal was not mailed to Oh, us. yeah. That's just a photo of Bailiwick. The leopard gecko. Uh, Lisa, our listener Lisa, says that he's a good boy. Um, she says, please bless him because he's a desert animal living in Pennsylvania in December, and that's not right. <laughs> that isn't right. Um, I owned leopard geckos when I was a child. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had to feed them crickets. So we had to keep uh, a terrarium of crickets in the bathroom with uh, these, they, they ate like, Orange slices. So the orange slices were like always rotting Mm -hmm. and the crickets smelled terrible and they would always escape. And then 
we also had to cover the crickets in vitamin powder before we fed them to the geckos. So we had to gather all these crickets into a plastic bag full of vitamin powder and shake them up until they were ghostly white and then dump them in the gecko terrarium. And then the gecko would chase them. We had two geckos. Uh, mine was named Nefertiti and my sister's was named Sydney. Uh, and I am nobody to, asked, but thank you. I am uh, glad to meet Bailiwick, and uh, I will bless him. If you bless him, it's over my objections because he is a leopard gecko, so he's so he's more cat, kind of like, more like cat like than dog like. But he's smiling like a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, right. let me objection read. overruled. Uh, what I say to Bailiwick is. Thou shalt be joined to the Lord, and be the companion of all the sons of Jacob. Let his table be thine, and do thou and thy sons eat thereof. And may thy table be full unto all generations, and thy food fail not unto all the ages. And by food, of course, you mean powder-covered crickets. Powdered crickets. (laughs) Yummy! Hey, Bailiwick. Great job. You're a good boy. Uh, We also got uh, Bridget sent us uh, a cat named Euterpe. I believe that's a Greek muse. Um, who needs a curse because she keeps trying to kill my plants? Well, Bridget's plants, not our plants. Uh, Jessica wrote in, she has three cats. An older cat named Koshka, Russian for cat. And twin boys I named Hugin and Munin after the ravens who help Odin gather intel around the world. Those are... Uh, Lots of ravens on this show yeah, tonight. Yeah, appropriate for this episode. Curse them because the F word can only do so much at 3 a.m. Jared wrote in, uh, with a cat that desperately needs cursing. As so many cats do. Whose name is Oreo, a barn cat that his wife and daughter procured from a family friend, brought home to catch rodents, and to provide his daughter with a cat that she and her friend could dress up in a pretty dress and call Queen Oreo. <laughs> when we took her to get spayed, the vet informed him that she was actually a he and neutered him instead. <laughs> Can you believe that? What a rude, what a rude vet. Uh, I love he, Princess Oreo. <laughs> he's quite sure that the God of the Old Testament would find this gender-swapping feline to be an abomination before the Lord. <laughs> also, Jared has never seen him or her catch a mouse. Please curse accordingly. And so, Some barn cat. In addition, Kyle wrote that he has a cat here. I assume he means there. <laughs> and she, he's not in our apartment right now. <laughs> she desperately needs to be cursed. Her name is Hecate. Three symbols, not the Shakespearean way, so I hope that is right. And she is not getting Maybe into the holiday. Hecate. Sp- <laughs> oh, like a crisp, crisp hecate. Yeah, mm. crack open a crisp hecate. A handsome red can, lime on mine, please. <laughs> she is not getting into the holiday spirit. Damn it! What? In this picture attached, she's very cute. She refused to wear her Santa hat. I presume she did that through her management <laughs> uh, representation. Um, and just pouted instead. Also, she's knocked over the Christmas tree twice now and tried to open several of our gifts before Christmas morning. She's completely black as well, which probably means she's a witch in disguise. I don't really like that. It's like she's, a slam on witches. Also, she's very beautiful. A handsome cat. But we will curse that cat. Yeah, she is evil and needs to be cursed. And so to all the cats above and any other cats out there listening in radio <laughs> land, I say... If the boar can change its skin and make its bristles as soft as wool, or if it can cause horns to sprout forth on its head like the horns of a stag or of a sheep, then I will observe the tie of brotherhood with thee. And if the breasts separated themselves from their mother, for thou hast not been a brother to me, and if the wolves make peace with the lambs, 
so as not to devour or do them violence. And if their hearts are towards them for good, then there shall be peace in my heart towards thee. Those are unlikely things. Yeah. No peace in the heart. That's That was from Esau to Jacob. Mm-hmm. Very harsh. And then we have one special cat we got a curse uh, from, from our previous guest, Grant, a.k.a. Ironicus. Uh, he says, please curse my mother-in-law's cat. The only recourse I have for the holidays is passive aggression. And uh, this cat is a, a, a little orange bag of donuts, as my friend Rachel Hathaway would say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I have a special uh, curse from the Book of Jubilees that is very appropriate for cats. And it says, you make our name a curse and your whole life a hissing. Oh, <laughs> Nice. So there you have it. Little orange cat. You're super cute. And I cursed you really hard. (laughs) Will that cat ever recover? Find out next week on Sunday School Dropouts. (laughs) Of course, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so at SunSchoolDrop. You can follow me on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. You can find us on Facebook by looking for Sunday School Dropouts. And uh, we thank Elise Carlton for our logo. And we thank Nico for music sound editing, and sound engineering. You're welcome, baby. You can uh, follow... Did you just already say where you can follow where you want them? Yeah, I did. Okay, cool. If you want to help other people find the show, a really nice thing to do is to leave us a review on iTunes. We won't belabor the point, but it's a good thing to do. However, if we get to 100 reviews, Nico will join Twitter. And I recently found out that as Americans, we only see the American reviews. And we have reviews in other countries. And that means our total number of reviews is at least at 46 so we're almost halfway there if you want to cyber bully nico you got to give us a review yes and everyone i'm sure does <laughs> this has been another episode of sunday school dropouts my name is nico bakulich i'm lauren o'neill and we will see you on sunday bye bye